The following case involves graphic descriptions of violence and sexual acts against children. Listener discretion is advised. everyone. Welcome to the BFD podcast. This is our second episode in our vintage series. This is a Christmas tale of murder. Way back when, in a seemingly simpler time, a small town family worked their way up from tenant tobacco farmers to prosperous landowners with a farm of their very own. Germantown, Historically occupied by the namesake Germans who fought in the American Revolution was the setting for this wild tale. North Carolina, specifically Stokes County, is where this tale is located. Legend has it that a farmer met and married his wife, Fanny, in that area in 1911. The two worked a seemingly lucrative position as tobacco tenant farmers to make enough money for their own little slice of North Carolina heaven. When a family member moved to Germantown, Charles Lawson, the father of seven, followed suit with his hard-working family in 1918. The property on Brook Cove Road wasn't luxurious, but it was enough to give the family the appearance of being well-to-do. Life seemed pretty ordinary from the outside looking in on this family. Portraits of the time showed a normal-looking family in somewhat fashionable clothing for the time. The oldest daughter stood out from the rest with short bobbed hair, and the oldest son wore a slightly wrinkled three-piece suit. The children looked appropriately disciplined, and the parents looked stern but moderately satisfied with life. In the mother's arms, she held a chubby baby around four months of age. According to accounts from the time, the patriarch, Charlie, took his wife and seven kids into town shortly before Christmas to buy them new clothes and to have the portrait taken. The children, Marie, 17, Arthur, 16, Carrie, 12, Maybelle, 7, James, 4, and Raymond, 2, and then the baby, Mary Lou, was four months. This was undoubtedly a treat for a family of modest means, and the intent was to have a family portrait taken with the new clothing on. Many have speculated that such an event was uncommon because working-class rural farmers usually couldn't afford such luxuries. Others believe that this indicated the events soon to come were premeditated. The family farm had been purchased just two years earlier, and the Associated Press characterized the Lawsons as well-to-do, but this doesn't necessarily mean the family had a lot of money. On the afternoon of December 25th, when most families were settling in for a Christmas dinner or spending a holiday with family, Charlie Lawson lay in wait for Carrie and Maybelle as they were about to take off for their aunt and uncle's home. One can imagine his demeanor as he sternly waited for the two by the tobacco barn, gun in hand, hardworking farmer suddenly taken with insane and dark thoughts. 12-gauge shotgun shots rang out into the crisp winter air as Father Charlie shot his two daughters and then bludgeoned them to ensure they were dead. Fanny may have heard the sounds, but at the time, gunshots were probably much more common as families often hunted for food and to scare off predators that attempted to molest farm animals. Once the terrible deed was initiated, Charles drug the bodies into the barn and staged them. Next, 
he walked grimly back to the house and shot his wife on the porch. It did not appear that she put up much of a fight, as it was likely she had no idea that her mild-mannered husband was about to murder her. When Fanny lay dead on the porch, Marie, James, and Raymond heard the commotion, knew something was wrong, and attempted to hide. Charlie quickly located each of them in the home and shot them one at a time. It is then thought that he bludgeoned the youngest Lawson to death as well. 16-year-old Arthur was in town on an errand at the time, and it is speculated that he was left alive on purpose. Once the grisly task of murdering his family was complete, Charles Lawson calmly walked into the woods and shot himself. As authorities uncovered the tragic scene, they found the bodies with arms crossed and rocks under their heads. It is evident from later accounts that the bodies of family members had been discovered before Charlie killed himself and that authorities and witnesses heard the death shot ring out as they gathered at the crime scene and near the house. Many believe Charles had paced a circle around a tree hours before taking his own life. As the only surviving family member, Arthur was left in a cloud of suspicion. What had happened? Why had Charles done such a spectacularly awful thing? Some believe he suffered a head injury months before the murders. As head injuries are known to create altered mental states in some, friends and family attempted to explain Charles's behavior by theorizing that the injury caused him to murder his family. Interestingly enough, though, Johns Hopkins Hospital performed an autopsy and analyzed the brain of the Lawson patriarch. They found no abnormalities that would indicate a head injury caused his erratic behavior. That head injury was having struck himself in the back of the head with a pickaxe-type tool. Still, other close family and community members believe that Charlie was sexually abusing his 17-year-old daughter, Marie. Whether this is true or not is a matter of endless speculation and rumor, and an unnamed source heard whispers during a tour of the house shortly after the murder. This sort of hearsay, whispered conjecture, and words from relatives burst this case wide open. Many perceived this family as ordinary to begin with, but were later led to believe Fanny, the mother, was concerned about the incestuous relationship between her eldest daughter and her husband. One can only imagine the shock and horror of such a revelation. Still, other friends of Marie came forward in later years and claimed confidences had been shared by Marie, indicating that she was pregnant at the time of her death with her father's child. Still others took a more conservative approach and declined to elaborate, simply indicating the family had serious problems, quote-unquote. During this time period, incest was a topic that was never spoken of, and young unwed mothers were a thing to be hidden at all costs. All of these things that left a bad taste in one's mouth were carefully brushed under the carpet, never to be spoken of again lest the listener get too wrapped up in conjecture, rumor, and other wild stories, I would remind them that no autopsy was performed on Marie, at least not one that we have access to. Nor is there any conclusive proof that Charlie Lawson did what he did for any reason other than pure, unadulterated insanity. And why would he kill his whole family to hide an incestuous relationship with one child? What is clear is that this case rocked the community to its very core. What is also clear is that the Lawson murders created a mass of murder-hungry tourists, 
much like the case of Pearl Bryan. This was not helped by family members who opened the home on Brook Cove Road as a tourist attraction. One can only imagine the ghostly and macabre scene, wandering through rooms no one would ever want to inhabit again because murder had darkened the floorboards with blood, and spirits of the dead could possibly wander for all eternity, lost in endless screams of surprise and horror. On a cake stand sat a Christmas Day cake, baked before the family's untimely exit from this world. When visitors began stealing the raisins as grim souvenirs, glass was placed over the baked good. Murder ballads were written, books were published, and countless reporters and podcasters have kept this awful story alive for nearly 100 years. In a similar twist of fate, Arthur Lawson died young in a motor accident at the age of 32, leaving a grieving wife and four young children. The family photo, though, has stood the test of time, and decades later, curious onlookers can check it out online or in local North Carolina archives. We will post a picture of this family on our Instagram page as well. Two weeks after the photo was taken, the family was just a memory, all except Arthur. The task he had been to town for was to buy shotgun shells. Rabbit hunting had been on his agenda, and his father, Charlie, clearly withheld the necessary ammunition from his own supply for obvious reasons. The precision of the arranged bodies, the tender care that he seemed to give them after death, seemed unbelievable, yet contrived to present some sort of careful presentation for viewing when the bodies would be discovered. Six bodies were laid out, ready for discovery, and years of speculation as to why. The family actually charged admission and led curious onlookers on tours of the crime scene. Morbid tourists paid 25 cents apiece to come see the sites of the Lawson family murder. Newspapers across the state actually advertised the fully intact home and bizarre untouched Christmas cake. Hit songs spoke of the horrors that happened on Brook Cove Road in Stokes County. The area where the crime occurred now holds the story near and dear as local legends abound. Many local people were obsessed with finding out what really happened. Through the years, the story has been woven into a patchwork quilt of speculation, rumors, and whispered theories Books about the crime have sold out and are very hard to find, and even the local libraries charge a $50 deposit or more to read these books. There is a mass grave for the whole family that exists somewhere in North Carolina, and it's rumored that leaves and snow won't fall on the father's portion of the grave. One local theater even wrote a play about the case, proving that this local legend is near and dear to everyone's hearts, even today. Whether you find the story intriguing, mysterious, or disturbing, you can't disagree that this horrifying story has stood the test of time. So when you hold your family members close this holiday season, be grateful that the legend of Charles Lawson isn't your family's and the Lawson's terrifying bloodline isn't present in your own family tree. Thanks so much for tuning in and listening to this very special vintage episode, everyone. 
If you have any questions, comments, or suggestions, feel free to shoot us an email at thebfdpodcast at gmail.com. You can follow us on Instagram or Twitter. We're at thebfdpodcast. Please feel free to DM us or tweet at us. We are more than happy to respond to you guys and follow you back if need be. We hope that you all have a very Merry Christmas and a Happy New Year. Please rate, review, and subscribe to our podcast. And join us again next week when we talk more about weird, wacky, and wild stuff. Good night, podcast peeps. Stay safe, keep it real, and always live your best life. Bye!